What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. NBA Draft GOAT Chad Ford, Locked On NBA Draft host Rafael Barlow, and Locked On NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA Draft. It's Locked On NBA Draft 2021, brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today and watch our live coverage July 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Today's episode is the latest edition of Mailbag Monday, our weekly mailbag segment. Answering listeners' submitted questions all episode long. If you want to get involved, there's two ways to do it. You can tweet at me, at Mike G. Rich on Twitter. Just send me a tweet whenever you're thinking of it. It helps if you tag it as mailbag so I know what you're talking about. Or you can just watch my Twitter feed on Mondays. I will send out a tweet soliciting questions. You respond to that tweet. I will do my best to get you in a show either that night or shortly into the future. If you are not a Twitter user or just someone who doesn't send out tweets, you can email the show LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. It's LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. Neither rain nor snow nor heat nor gloom of night stays mailbag from your ears. So let's get into it. Our first question comes from Lil who asks, for Portland to make big moves, doesn't Dame need to understand that that means CJ and possibly Nurk being traded? Do you think Nurk and CJ would feel some type of way about that, knowing Dame wanted improvements over them? I don't think Dame would feel good about that. I think we are beyond feelings, Lil. I think we have moved to an area beyond feelings. Damian Lord wants big, massive changes. He wants to compete right away. He knows the deal and knows what that means. He knows that it means trading CJ McCollum, probably trading Yusuf Nurkic, probably like it's one or both of them and almost certainly CJ if you're taking a big swing. Uh, He wants big structural changes. He wants a chance to compete and this team to take big, serious risks. I think in the past, Dame may have been influenced by this, by friendships and by uh you know wanting to wanting to do right by his guys but i think he is i think he is beyond that and it would be you know make a drastic trade and improve the squad and if those guys aren't there so be it and if you won't do that well then i'm the one who won't be here speaking of dame trades it's what everyone is asking about and it's what we're going to talk about here in this first segment of mailbag jeffrey v comes with our next one jeff v actually sent this one way back when and i've been sitting on it because at the time it seems like a little bit overreaction but now now it seems prescient good job jeff jeff asks how big should the dame trade package be if things are really moving towards him being traded the anthony davis trade was three young players and three picks i'm of the opinion the blazers should get more because of how many years are left on dame's contract it also depends on how good the young player is what are your thoughts yeah i mean i think i think that's pr- like i think the paul george trade and the anthony davis trades are like a good good starting points you want like a blue chipper like brandon ingram or shay Gilles alexander you know those aren't guaranteed superstars or whatever but Brandon Ingram made, made an all-star team uh he's a he's a really good scorer in the league and SGA is is has a chance to be a really really good player plus a, a bunch of picks three picks and some change and then maybe some other spare parts to kind of get you in the right direction I kind of think that's that's like the building block if you were to really tear it down and start with trading game like that's that's where you want to start uh 
I think where maybe I think an important distinction to make here uh, with the SGA trades, Shay Gilles Alexander trade and the Brandon Ingram trade, like when you're trading away Paul George and Anthony Davis, is those players were on rookie deals. So I think there's a lot of people eyeing names like Jalen Brown or Ben Simmons. Trading for those dudes on massive contracts is just like not the same. You're not you're not resetting like financially and with the franchise. Uh, obviously, you got to make the money work and there's all types of details, but like uh, if you're trading for a 26 year old on a massive four year contract, like it's, it's just a different calculation than if you're trading for a young guy still on his rookie deal with team control, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's one thing to think about when you're talking about Dame trades. Speaking of that, Nathan asks, what are your thoughts on doing a total rebuild? Uh, I don't think you go there yet. I think you really like the reason that you would rebuild a franchise is to get a player of Dame's quality. Like you, you, you know, pack up young play, you, you know, grab onto young players and draft picks, um, package them is what I was trying to say, uh, and hope to get a package of them. And, and you hope you get a player who's like one of the 10 best players in the league, right? You hope to get Dame. I think while you have him and if he's willing to be here, you give it one last earnest shot. Like I, I, I talked about it in a previous, previous episode, like tear everything up else down around Dame, but like build around this guy. Who's one of the 10 best players in the league. Like that's, that's my thoughts. If it doesn't work, or if he wants out, or if or if you realize you have to go in the other direction, then like I said, picks and a player on a rookie contract. Like that's what you want a young blue chipper on a rookie contract. Um we'll talk about a big name here in a second, but like I think trading for someone on a near max deal that like you gotta make the money work with a dame trade, but getting someone on like a near max deal, it doesn't to me, you know, unless you I guess you trade Dame into space or something into, into the next cap space. Like it just, I, I don't think it gives you that sort of financial reset. And the value of doing a financial reset is you can like, uh, you can acquire players on shitty contracts and get a, a get a little trade bonus uh, for your troubles. It's a good way to sort of uh, bump up the rebuild. It's kind of what OKC has been doing. Uh, can OKC build all the way back up? I don't know. Like tearing it down to the studs and building back is really, really, really hard. Um, seems like the best way to win a championship is have LeBron James or Kevin Durant clandestinely decide to join your franchise. Speaking of trades, Connor asks, how much confidence can fans have in the front office? <laughs> uh, depending on how like semantic I want to get with this question, Connor, fans can have as much uh, can have as much confidence as they choose to. But me personally, I don't have very much. Uh, I think Neil's really good at working around the margins. Uh, I think he's a great bargain shopper. I think he's great at construct. I think he's great at saying, here's where my here's the team I built. Here's what it is. Uh, and here's my minor trade around the edges to like to get this team a little bit better. Uh, the Yusuf Nurkic trade was like, you know, a, a kind of a roll of the dice. But uh, say the Norman Powell trade or the Rodney Hood trades like, uh, you know, little little in season moves. He's he's pretty good at those. The big, bold, sweeping things like we wouldn't be here if Neil was good at that. So I don't have a ton of confidence on him being the guy to guide the ship through the choppiest waters and come out uh come out unscathed on the other side. I, I don't have a ton of confidence in him being the guy to do that. Next question comes from Dr. J who asks, you said your dream summer included CJ Ant and a first was multiple firsts, Dr. J for Simmons as the core big move. And along with re-signing norm, forgetting about the PR nightmare, etc. If you could trade Dame for Ben Simmons, Matisse Thibel and Seth Curry and a first round pick, does that core make the Blazers better than your core trade? Uh, a couple things. It wasn't my dream summer. It was my A-plus summer. My dream summer is that uh, I get to retire <laughs> by 35 and move somewhere warm. Um, 
it's an endless summer. But yeah, my A-plus Blazers summer was was CJ McCollum, Anthony Simons, and uh, a couple first-round picks for Ben Simmons. This was in my Constructing an A-plus Summer episode a couple weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago. Check your feeds. I built an A-plus Summer for the Blazers. Does that, but does does the trade Dr. J proposes, which is a dame to Philly for Ben Simmons, Matisse Thibault, and Seth Curry, does that make the Blazers better? I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, you get, I think you, you still probably have a, like a playoff teams with some sort of like CJ norm, Ant, Thibel, Curry, Nurk. Like I think Roko, like that's a, that's a playoff team. That's just, that team doesn't have any, you've, you've traded a team that has no championship equity and you've made a new team with no championship equity, a good, fun and exciting team. I'd like to watch. Yeah. Speaking of that, Sean asks, I know we all love Dame and option number one is to double down and win a championship with him. But let's say he does demand a trade and we end up trading him to the 76ers in a deal for Ben Simmons and pick swaps, picks and pick swaps. Does a lineup of CJ, Norm, Simmons, Covington, and Nurk have any upside? Yeah, it has some upside. Like I said, this is, this is, Sean, I should have read your question in the same order. I, I organized these together because I wanted to read them as one, but I got ahead of myself. Yeah, it has upside. Like, I don't think that's a bad team. Uh, I think Simmons handling the ball with Norm and, and CJ on the wings and Covington and, and being able to run pick and rolls with Nurk or being able to run like inverted pick and rolls with Norman Powell as a roller. That's fun. Like that's fun. I like that idea. I just don't, I don't think that's a championship team. I think you've built another interesting team. I'm not, a, I'm not opposed to building good teams. Like I think being good in the NBA is hard and, and there's something noble to it. But if the plan is to like win a championship, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, I just don't think that gets you any closer. I think you're a little bit worse. Like, I think the team's a little bit worse. Damian Lowe is one of the 10 best players in the league. Ben Simmons is something like one of the 25 or 30 best players in the league, maybe 20 best players in the league. Uh, upside of being maybe one of the 15 best players in the league, but he's not that right now. And uh, you, you just need top-end talent to win a championship. See the Milwaukee Bucks. Next question comes from Jonathan, who asks, there's a lot of fan anger directed towards Neil Olshay. Can you talk about how secure his power base is within the organization? Can he win a war of will against Dame. Uh, it depends on what you mean by win. Like, uh, I think there's a chance that Neil O'Shea is still employed by the Blazers after he trades Damian Lord. I mean, not for long clock's ticking, but like, uh, yeah, I think there's a scenario where Dame asks for a trade and Neil's still here and, and maybe Dame gets what he wants, but did Neil win if he's still employed? Um, According to Jason Quick of The Athletic, Neil's job is safe. And even like beyond that, uh, that tweet that that Quick sent out, like you could just you can just read the tea leaves. Like if Neil was going to get fired, he already would have. They wouldn't let him hire the coach uh, if he was going to get fired. They've they've committed to Neil. They've uh, for better or for worse or for cheaper. (laughs) So they don't have to pay him to not work like they've committed to Neil and they're going to let him do it. I think Dame is still the most powerful voice in the franchise, but that will be tested. Uh, but but Dame, like, he can get out and he can go somewhere. Uh, Neil's, Neil, Neil can't, like, trade himself to another franchise and get a new job. So if Neil were to lose his job, uh, like, Neil can get fired. Dame can't get fired, I guess is the difference here. So, like, win is an interesting one. But I don't, I don't think, I think this next two months uh, as we head into the regular season is going to be a real test of sort of who who wins in a way is 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 this does dame get his wish and the blazers you know make big 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 moves and big trades and go for it once or do they not do they not pull it off and dame asks out or is there a or is there a third option here where uh d- you know dame plots his extra strategy but you get nine months more of him in a blazers uniform next question comes from jesse who asks would you be a better gm than neil no I'd be better at press conferences. 
for all of Neil's faults, and there are many, uh, his biggest issue is that he treats people, the media, particularly local media, um, like they're inferior. And so his the perception of him is that he's just like a, a jerk that can't play nice. And I think there's definitely some truth to that for sure. Um, but he's super smart. Like he's... I've, t- you know, whenever I talk to him about the league, like he's just whip smart. He's, he really, really, really is. Um, he's, he's bad. He's been really bad at public speaking and public appearances and meeting with the press this summer. It's been, it's been really bad to the point where people are calling for his job just based on being bad at, at, at press conferences, uh, blowing back to back press conferences of just like seemingly showing up unprepared to answer obvious questions. Uh, I would be prepared in the press conferences. I would do better at him at press conferences. I'm I'm good at the media. I would all of the other parts of the job that are like actually GMing, it's uh, I'm not qualified. I'm simply a basketball fan. A basketball fan with a microphone, but a basketball fan nonetheless. All right, let's come back in the second segment and talk more Mailbag Monday, answer more of your questions. But first, let's talk about Rock Auto. You can save time and money when you're using Rock Auto. That's the best part. It's quick and it's cheaper than the chain stores or the car dealership. Plus, Rock Auto is a family business that's been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. So if you are someone who wants to work on their car, go to their website, which is easy to use, easy to navigate. You'll see all the parts available for your car or truck. You'll be able to customize what you want, pick out uh, hundreds of parts from hundreds of manufacturers for hun- from hundreds of vehicles, every make and model you could imagine. And it'll be cheaper than what the, cheaper than the other folks. So don't mess around with the other folks. Go to the place that is has reliably low prices for every customer. Go to RockAuto.com and find a solution to your auto part needs. RockAuto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck and write "locked on" in their "How did you hear about us?" box while you're there. That way, they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Right. Let's keep it rolling on this glorious mailbag Monday. This next question comes from Sir Wheezy at Wheezy Sir, who asks, What are your thoughts on the hiring of coach Adnisha Curry? Watching some of her past interviews, she has a really fascinating background. She also sounds like a very, a very tough and smart coach. That's right. There's some news today, courtesy of Jason Quick of The Athletic. The Blazers have... Uh, Chauncey Billups has continued to add to his coaching staff, adding Ednisha Curry, the former assistant men's basketball coach at the University of Maine, who has now been hired to join Chauncey Billups's uh, Chauncey Billups's staff here in Portland. I, I gotta, I gotta give the same caveat I give with everything. Uh, I don't. Um, I don't know what assistant, like what, what's going to make a good assistant coach. I will say, uh, as, as you point out, Sir Wheezy, like, uh, coach Curry's got an interesting background. Um, you know, has, has played at the university of Oregon, played, uh, in the WNBA for a couple years, played professional basketball for a decade, uh, overseas as well. Um, it's where, it's where you get the real bag in women's college basketball or women's professional basketball is playing overseas, not in the WNBA. Wah, wah. But more more than the WNBA's pay structure, in general, like you know, been in high level, you know, D one college basketball for a long time, was an assistant at Maine since since the start of the twenty eighteen season, and you know, I don't, um, 
I don't pretend to know what exactly she's going to bring to the table, even just sort of reading her background. You would imagine from college coaching, then the, the sort of a player development type role, every assistant coach in the NBA works in player development. Like that's part of it. Um, there's some people who do other things as well, but like the specialty of most assistant coaches is working with players to develop their games. I don't pretend to have an idea of like real deep insight into what, uh, Anisha Curry is going to be like, but I will say this, uh, it's cool that black women are getting jobs in the WNBA. It's cool that the, like, that who can be a head coach is a, is, or excuse me, a coach and head coach will get there hopefully one day, but it's cool that like who can be a coach in the WNBA is a wider, is a, is a, just a, a wider swath than it once was. It's, it's not all, you know, old white guys or, or, or just like, you know, ex players who played in the league. It's, it's, it's women, it's black women, it's people from the college ranks. It's, it's just, um, you know, diversity in thought and diversity in background, uh, is, is going to be really helpful in any organization, like any professional job and particularly professional basketball, people who come at stuff and have different, have, come at at this game from different perspectives are going to add like sort of the right type of texture in my mind to give you the best chance if you get everyone from the same background if every single person is like a former neil olshay clipper uh you maybe don't have uh, your best bet I, I i like this just if if for nothing else um you know the first female coach uh, coach in uh blazers history we are we are just we're heading to a better place in terms of uh in terms of equity in the nba coaching ranks so uh without like much of a value judgment i'm i'm happy to see coach curry get the job next question comes from brandon goldner who asks or at brandon goldner on twitter who asks is ownership the greatest competitive advantage in the nba dog you know yes 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 see the knicks they got a shitty owner and they've been a shitty team for a long time big market glamour franchise all that garbage doesn't matter if the people in charge are making poor decisions and what seemed once like the blazers clear advantage over other similar sized markets i don't think is the case anymore the blazers don't have that advantage they don't have you can't say that they have great ownership anymore they have someone who owns the team that's it Next question comes from NBA Insider Outsider at Inside Out NBA on Twitter who asks, what are the odds of the Blazers sneaking back into the draft? Could it be done on draft day trade involving CJ or others? Or perhaps a second round pick from, from cash considerations? I don't think the Blazers have any reason to get into the draft, period. Um, certainly trading CJ for a first round draft pick would be a signal of a teardown. Uh, the Blazers don't need... Th- if the Blazers get into the first round of the draft this year, I think it's very, very unlikely that they do. But if they do, it'll be a signal that the that the teardown is coming. Uh, it'll either be the big signal because because Dame will get traded, or like it'll be you know CJ for the whatever ninth pick in the draft or whatever it might be. Like that is a that's a red flag that they're that they're packing it up. Uh, they are gunning for a championship. You do not win championships with youth. You win championships with veteran adults. Uh, you, you can, you know, having young players on rookie scale contracts is super important, but like you do not entice Damian Lillard to stick around by saying, you know, this 19 year old is going to be pretty good pretty soon. Like that's just, that's not the move. That's not what the market they're in. They needed to hit on some draft picks over the last couple years. Hopefully Anthony Simons and Nazir Little can, um, cash in on that, can prove, prove those draft investments worth it. Even their late second round picks, but, or late first round picks, but No, I don't. I think the odds of them getting into the first round, I would put at like 0.05% unless something real bad's happening. Not real bad, unless a massive change is happening. And second round pick for cash considerations, I'll put at like 
22%. Mm, 17%. Pretty low. I, I don't think so. Alex Wade at AWade583 on Twitter did something I don't think I've seen. Said, follow up to this question or a precursor. Is there any reason to try to get into the draft? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Uh... I understand, like, get cheap, get young, get all those things. That was the time, that was a couple years ago. The the Blazers need to get good, and they need adults to get good. Uh, There's, I don't see any value in, like, I, I see value in getting draft picks in terms of, like, holistic team building. But for their specific task, make Dame happy, get closer to title with Dame on roster, I don't think a first round pick in this year's draft gets you there. Next question comes from John, who asks, I think there's a non-zero chance that Norm Powell looks at what happened in Portland the last few months and says, no way I'm staying here and leaves for another team. Is there a world where neither CJ or Norm are on the roster next season? I think fans are too overconfident that Norm would re-sign, even if Portland gave him the most money. He looked uncomfortable more often than not on the court, witnessed the bad vibes during and after the Denver series, and that's not including all of the off-court drama. Yeah, so there's definitely a non-zero chance that Norm doesn't come here, or stay here, rather. Uh, He's already here, I guess. But uh, I think... I think there's a money amount that other teams can't get to that the Blazers can get to that he'll just say yes to. But yeah, I think there's... um, I think there is a world... Um, in which Norman Powell says, this franchise seems like a mess and pieces out, doesn't even consider it, does not, you know, he's an unrestricted free agent. He can prioritize himself. And if the prioritizing himself costs him like $6 million over the life of an $80 million contract, he, he very well might do that. Uh, that that would seem, it's, you know, everyone wants to have a, a better quality of life at their job. And I don't think Norman Powell would be any different. I don't think he's a lock. Uh, I... I was kind of at like a coin flip and then I probably push it up to like 60, 40. And now I'm back to maybe like a coin flip. I, I, I don't think, I don't think there's a guarantee Norm's back, uh, just because of like what's, what the deal is with this team. And like, it's, I don't think he was a bad on court fit. I don't, I probably don't agree with the idea that he looked uncomfortable on the court. I would disagree, uh, to each their own though, John, like you might've, you might be seeing some subtle things that I'm missing for sure. Um, you know, we were both watching it on TV for the most part. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I just think the vibes around the team and just kind of the messiness of this summer might make him be like, I'd, I'd just rather be somewhere else if I could if I could choose to be somewhere else. So yeah, I do think that there's a scenario in which the Blazers ha- ha- don't have CJ McCollum or Norman Powell next season. I think it's relatively unlikely, but I just, that's certainly a possibility. All right, let's come back in the third segment, close out the show with more of your questions on this glorious Mailbag Monday. But first, let's talk about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all that action on Bet Online, but you can also bet on pretty much anything else you could possibly imagine. That's the final couple games of the NBA Finals. Uh, that's what happens with the Olympics and all, all of the myriad sports there. It's... Uh, footy soccer here and abroad it's ufc and mma action you name it they got it so head on over to their website betonline.ag sign up today and when you're making your first deposit put in the promo code locked on you'll get a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit that's bet online your online sportsbook experts still a pass first point guard still mike richmond we're still listening to Locked on Blazers, and we're still rolling through with Mailbag Monday. This next question comes from Jacob G. on Hawthorne, who asks, every year, every team how, asks, 
How can they be more like the finals winner? It can be cliche. And I think it's still a fun reflection, excuse me, but I think it's still a fun reflection. What qualities in Milwaukee or Phoenix can or should the Blazers emulate besides having Giannis? I feel like having Giannis would be the number one pick. So I'm glad you got that out of the way, Jacob Gion Hawthorne. Uh, you know, the the lesson from Milwaukee, I think, I think Phoenix's path is like a really hard one to follow. Uh, be bad for nine years, draft really well late in the lottery, have that player turn into a franchise pillar, sign that player to a max contract, and suck for a long time. But while you're sucking for a long time, survive some terrible Marquise Chris Dragon Bender picks and nail some, again, some late lottery picks like Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson, but also luck into the number one pick, have that number one pick be ready to go by year two, and create this sort of positive environment despite a lot of losing which appeals to a hall of fame level free agent who then can get there without you giving up too many big parts in the process only really kelly Oubre jr also hire the right coach like that's just too many things that's too many things like the the basic is you know uh draft well lock up your best players and keep your cap space clean so you can trade right like that's so you can make big trades and make and add add pieces like that's that's a that's a blueprint, but it's not that easy. I think the Blazers, and we'll see what happens this offseason, because I don't think they, they'll be able to, I think by like December, this will, we won't even be talking about this as like an option, but like the sort of theoretically, I think the Blazers are a little closer to the Bucks in that the plan is like, get your two franchise cornerstones, Giannis, Chris Middleton, that's Damon CJ. Now you, you know, you keep them together, you continue to pay them. Blazers did that. Uh, Giannis and, and Middleton actually came in the same offseason, both in 2013. Damon CJ came 2012-2013. Like there's some there's some similarities there. Lock those dudes up and then build around them with guys that make sense. So that's Brooke Lopez, a big shooting center that complements what uh what Giannis does well and it was you know big defensive point guard in 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 Eric Bledsoe but it that didn't work out and so then when it doesn't work out when your parts don't work out instead of saying well Eric Bledsoe's you know an all NBA defensive player we're pretty good let's let's make little changes around the margin swing big take that big old strikeout swing because if you miss you miss but if you hit it you might end up with the Larry O'Brien trophy and that's trading a shit ton of picks in order to get an all NBA and upgrade at a position of need, we needed a better point. They need a better point guard or um, from the perspective of the Bucks, we need a better point guard. You go get Drew Holiday. Other stuff just happens when you're a good team. You're able to, you know, go chase PJ Tucker and make it happen. And the Bucks kind of screwed up in there. They got rid of Malcolm Brogdon and they still might win the championship for their troubles. Uh, it's, it is, there's no clean path, but th if the lesson is lock up your best players and then take a big swing to maximize their window, I don't know if the Blazers followed that path and that's what you do to be the Bucks. Also have Giannis. He's just so freaking big. Next question comes from Ethan at Ethan M8 on Twitter, or Ethan Mate, if you want to read those all as one. But I'm going to say Ethan M8. Uh, Ethan asks, a little hindsight, but about the 2017 draft, how bad does it look? Looking back, was this the biggest opportunity to make this team better for the foreseeable future? Do you excuse Neil for picking Zach Collins? Uh, you know... I feel two types of ways about the 2017 draft. And I'm not sure I've said this on the podcast. I definitely said it on another podcast, but I'm not sure I said it here. So let me try to, let me try to distill this plan. First, 2017 was a really freaking good draft. And a lot of those players, Donovan Mitchell and Bam Adebayo and OG Ananobi and John Collins all could have helped. And if you really want to get nitpicky, Kyle Kuzma really could have helped. And Josh Hart probably could have helped. And 
Uh, there's, you know, the Blazers had three, they went into that draft with three picks and they came out with uh, Caleb Swan again and Zach Collins. It's not good. It's not a good, that's not good. You, that's the, you want, you, you wanted it to go another way, but that's the way it went. Anyone in the Blazers range when they traded up to 10 to take Collins, you know, Donovan Mitchell, Bam Adebayo have been all-stars. Uh, John Collins looks like a really, really solid player. Jared Allen really would help this team. OG Ananobi would be a, just an elite game changer. Even the back half of that draft, I mentioned Kyle Kuzma and Josh Hart, but Derek White would, would really, really help this team. Uh, like, Anyone who could contribute and be an NBA player would be better than what they ended up with. For sure. Without a doubt. But I also think the NBA draft is kind of a crapshoot. Like, everyone wants to point to how bad the Blazers blew it, but like, Philadelphia traded up to one to get Markel Fultz in that draft. The Phoenix Suns took Josh Jackson fourth overall. The D-Wolves and then traded to Chicago took Lowry Markinen. The Knicks took Frank Nilakina. The Mavs took Dennis Smith Jr. That's 7-8-9 ahead of Zach Collins. Right after Collins, Malik Monk, who's like a pretty good NBA player. But Nilakina and Dennis Smith Jr. are borderline. Lowry Markinen is not good. Um, <laughs> I, maybe he'll be an okay NBA, like rotation level NBA player, but he's not good. I don't think you can call him capital G good. Like it's a crapshoot. So here's the way I feel about this. One, blaming a, a GM for screwing up on any pick that isn't in the top five is kind of um, cherry picking. It's kind of just saying, oh, you screwed up. You could have had this. Like people don't know. If people knew, if people knew how good Donovan Mitchell was, he wouldn't have gone thirteenth. People knew how good Bam Adebayo was, he wouldn't have gone fourteenth. Right? Like that's it just wouldn't happen like that. So I think it's a little bit nitpicky. I also think it is the number one most impactful thing for why the Blazers are in the position they're in. Both can be true. I think it is both unfair to criticize GMs for screwing up draft picks. Sort of like to some extent, I think the, I think we go too far is probably the best way to say that. And also the 2017 draft was the biggest, most impactful screw up of the Neil Olshay era. And it sent them down this path. It's both. It's both. It's both unlucky and incredibly bad. <laughs> like, like it's, it, it sunk the franchise or, 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 or certainly put them in a bad spot for this era of like, a chance to make a good team a lot better if you get an impactful player. And also it's just, it's all luck. They didn't get either one. They couldn't get, they couldn't get the luck, but it's also the most important thing that has gone wrong for them is not having that guy from the 2017 draft be an impactful starter or an impactful rotation player on this roster today. Absolutely. It's both. Next question comes from Bobby Van D 22, who asks, what free agent signing this offseason would be the most Neil Olshay? So the names that come to mind are kind of like redraft guys. Like he loves a redraft guy, someone who didn't work out in another spot. So part of me thinks it's the names that I've already joked about. Like it's Lowry Markinen or Frank Nilakina. Like those are Neil Olshay type signings. Like he signed TJ Leaf, uh, the, who was the 18th pick in the 2017 draft. Like that's a super Neil Olshay trade or signing rather. So I think... I think it would be somebody like Josh Jackson. But really, the number one most Neil Olshay thing you could do is sign someone from the 2011 Los Angeles Clippers, and that would be Blake Griffin. <laughs> the number one thing that Neil could do that would be the most on-brand would be to sign Blake Griffin. It would be it would be on-brand on for so many reasons. It would be on-brand because it'd be a year late, like uh, 
or a couple years late, like signing Pau Gasol and thinking that um, that was still a reasonable thing to do. It would be signing someone who was a former high draft pick and Blake Griffin, obviously uh, the number one overall pick. And it would be signing someone with a connection to the former Clippers of his past. There is no Neil move greater than signing Blake. Next question comes from Justin Sisney at Justin underscore Sisney on Twitter who asks, If Dame were to leave, how likely is it that Neil would try to swing the CJ McCollum as the true franchise player? I mean, if if Dame leaves and CJ is still here, um, yes, 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 absolutely, yes. Next question comes from Scott at ScottPTB30 on Twitter who asks, You have to pick an NBA team to be a diehard fan of. Which team is it? You will be moving to that city for a minimum of 10 years, but the number one factor for your choice is the team itself, not the livability in the area. Consider ownership, current and future assets, history, etc. So, like, my gut says the two most sort of, like, fun young teams to just sort of, like, uh, glom onto, whatever vampire onto right now, is is, uh, Denver and Memphis. uh, Because, you know... Denver's got obviously Jamal Murray's ACL injury changes things. Um, but you know, really good young core, an MVP level player, you know, have had already had some success. Or Memphis, like rising star and, and John Morant, good young parts around him, and you know, free agent or like salary cap flexibility to like get good despite it being Memphis and that being somewhat difficult. Uh, they've drafted relatively well. Like, this is. Those are like the two sort of obvious fun teams. I think the third sort of most fun team would be Charlotte because LaMelo Ball and parts. Um, I'm a little (laughs) nervous on the and parts portion of that program, but like that team was really fun this year. So I think that that's it. But if I'm picking a place for 10 years with all those things, I'm going to go with the Atlanta Hawks. For me, a more desirable city than Memphis if we're choosing cities in the South, more desirable than Charlotte if we're choosing cities in the South. Apologies to my North Carolinians out there. Uh, Denver seems like like y'all will get mad at me if I pick the Nuggets, so I'm just going to steer clear of them. So I'll pick the Hawks. Uh, You know, really fun, good franchise player. Um, Fun young parts. Even if they let John Collins go, they've got a bunch of young parts to build around them. They obviously took, you know, made a big run this season, so I'm kind of late on the bandwagon, but I'll jump on the back and and hang on for dear life. I'll pick the Hawks. I'm going to become a diehard fan of the Hawks in this scenario, Scott. Final question of the show comes from Jacob, who asks, "What's the best starting lineup you can build with first name and last, where the first name and the last name are both common first names?" So. This was harder than I wanted it to be, Jacob. You sent this to me last week, and I was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this, no problem." I set up to do it, and it took me longer than I wanted it to. But I came up with an all current NBA players, common first name, common last name, starting group. Chris Paul is my starting point guard. We're staying small, and we're gonna go with Portland's own Mike James as the second one. This is not, uh, not old veteran Mike James. This is new, new young gun Mike James, uh, albeit like a 27 year old at this point. Uh, small forward, we're gonna go Paul George. Power forward, we're going to go with Jeremy Grant. Uh, I would argue Grant is a relatively common first name. And at center, we're going to start Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard is our center. So Chris Paul, Mike James, Paul George, Jeremy Grant, and Dwight Howard is our all common first name, common last name that are both common first names squad. Off the bench, we're going to go... First off the bench would be Jared Allen. Um, If... (laughs) Uh, Jared Allen almost eked out Dwight Howard. He's probably better than Dwight Howard, but um, 
you know, I'm picking resume here, but Dwight Howard's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Then Terrell Brandon, Portland Zone. And finally, Michael Jordan. I'm going to say Michael Jordan is, is, I don't, I was going to put him in there and then I debated and then, and then I went with all current players. How do we, is Jordan a common enough first name? Uh, You know, there's not like Jordan Crawford, Jordan Farmer. There's like guy, there's been guys in the league with that name. Uh, You know, I grew up with a handful of Jordans here and there. I also grew up in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. So I do feel like that's cheating a little bit. It's hard to like my, the numbers are skewed growing up where I did. So I think Michael Jordan counts for this. And then I'll go uh, as my fourth guard off the bench. I'll go old Mike James, not young Mike James, but old Mike James. That's my nine man rotation. Uh, we're going to we're gonna score a lot, and we're going to need Dwight Howard to be awesome. If you have a name I missed, and I've missed one in the past. One time I had to make an all-Michael team, and I forgot about Michael Thompson. So if you have one I missed, common first name and the last name are both common first names. Shoot me an email, lockdownblazerspot at gmail.com. Even build your own team, and I'll, uh, I'll read it on, on a future mailbag episode. That is going to do it for this edition of Mailbag Monday. If I got a ton of questions on Twitter this week. I think I have 25 or 30 responses. Uh, don't worry. If you did not hear your question, I have it saved. I got the, I got the, I'm looking at the Word doc here. Now the future questions are piling up. Uh, long time people who contribute to, the, to Mailbag Monday know that sometimes I sit on questions for a little while. Uh, Things will come back around and come back and be relevant, and sometimes they're more fun under new context. So don't fret. If you didn't hear your question in this show, come back next week. We do this every week. I record on Monday nights and post it on Tuesdays. It's Mailbag Monday, our weekly mailbag show. If you if this is your first time listening, welcome. Uh, and if you want to get involved in the future, tweet at me at Mike G. Rich on Twitter or send me an email, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. We got fun shows coming the rest of the week. Uh, Jackson Frank, uh, NBA reporter, is going to join me. And uh, knock on wood, one other, e- one other email, one other uh, interview lined up, uh, but I'm not going to spoil it because... <laughs> If, if we get Game 7 of the NBA Finals, we're going to have to bump that interview to next week. Uh, so one and possibly two interviews, some guests this week. I'm excited to have some guests back on the program. It's been a little bit more difficult for me during the offseason to get guests, but hopefully we'll get them. So I'm excited to have, excited to have that happen. Tell your friends about this podcast. Tell them they can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Lockdown Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. And we'll be coming at you every day of the week. The only daily Trailblazers podcast. Come find us. Be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.